the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Partners in the Gospel. I'm Mark Skolberg, your host, local ministry director here at Salem Media in Southern Colorado. And we're so glad that you joined us today during this really difficult, upside-down time of our culture and our world. And I have, it's my pleasure today to have Stu Davis. He is the director of Colorado Springs. I love you on the phone here. And Stu, thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to be here, Mark. You know, Stu, um, maybe there are some people, you and I, uh, you know, we talked about uh, what Colorado Springs, I love you, on the phone in an interview, excuse me, in studio um, X amount of months ago, but there was probably some uh-huh. listeners that didn't catch that. So maybe you can give us, before we talk about COVID-19 and, you know, what that means for our local community and what you're doing and o- other people you collaborate with, give a brief snapshot, you know, of the history of Colorado Springs, I love you. Yeah, sure. Just... I mean, very briefly, we, we work and have, for the last four or five years now, work with churches uh, of all different size and kind and traditions um, across Colorado Springs and Pikes Peak region to, as I would say it, I guess, to bring the resources of the church to help meet um, some of the most critical needs in our community. And essentially, the way that I kind of informally talk about it is we try really hard to build collaboration with civic leaders, and with business leaders to try and address some of these issues in our community collectively and collaboratively, rather than in isolation or separation from one another. So I'm really trying to do everything that we can to bring the resources of the faith community in ways that um, align with maybe some of our, uh, some of the more strategic ways that we approach social challenges in our city. And specifically, we've been involved in issues with homelessness and at-risk youth and public schools and several other things over the last few years. Uh, I've really seen a lot of great things coming from the church kind of joining hands with um, uh, leaders across our city. Yeah, and that really started just out of practical need. And then I guess you just had those conversations with other church members, other parachurch and leaders in the city, and it just kind of was like-mindedness. It was a heart to, that they care in, about our city. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really started with, I mean, so we, we do an event every year called City Serve Day, um, and that's a, a one day where we spread out a couple thousand, mostly church-based volunteers from around the city um, to just meet practical needs, as you said a few minutes ago. And really, we continue to focus on, on those practical, tangible things that we can do. So rather than, you know, delivering funding to a specific, you know, initiative or, or cause, or rather than trying to... Uh, you know, kind of advocate for specific things. We really try and focus on what can we do to to bring some tangible help, support, resources uh, to to needs that matter in our city. So it's been really great to just, like I said, watch the church meet tangible needs, even here over the last handful of weeks, mm-hmm. as we've been dealing with all this coronavirus issue. 
Yeah, and you know, you collaborate. You've already, we already alluded to that that who you collaborate. But give us an idea of who you, for our listeners' sake, that you're not a standalone type of ministry. You're a partnership. You're a link to so many other yeah. organizations. So you don't have to rattle off all the names if you don't want to. But tell, give them a little of an idea who you're working with, who you collaborate together as a team to you know do the kind of things you guys are doing for the city. Yeah, I, I realize that collaboration is such kind of a, uh, an organizational buzzword, but it, it is. really is no, you're right. the bread and butter behind what we do. I mean, we're a, we're a two-and-a-half-person team, so we, we do a lot with a very skinny operation because we rely so much on our partnerships. So we've got um, about 45 strategic church partners, and there's some criteria that we put around that. We've got another about 40 or 50 who are in some way connected to what we do here locally. But then we also spend a lot of time um, really with a lot of civic leaders, elected leaders like our mayor and uh, city council folks, um, El Paso County commissioners and, and folks like that, appointed leaders as well, um, people like, you know, um, first responders, police and fire chiefs, you know, those kinds of folks, um, mm-hmm. economic policymakers, um, people who are in kind of strategic uh, decision-making roles in our city, as well as kind of key nonprofit leaders, uh, everybody from uh, larger organizations like the United Way and perhaps, um, you know, others that are kind of at that size and scale, care and share would be others that would be familiar. But then also a lot of smaller organizations as well that are perhaps based in neighborhoods or parts of town that, that may fly under the radar but are doing a lot of things to meet kind of ground-level grassroots needs in their own pockets of, of the community. So. We do a lot to try and connect each one of those different kinds of groups to others so that nobody's really kind of doing things in isolation. But there's a lot of um, communication, coordination, a lot of love C words, a lot of collaboration um, across different sectors to try and meet some of these needs, like I said, really in coordination with each other. Yeah, and you mentioned, I'm going to mention a few that you didn't mention, Colorado Springs Rescue Mission, Salvation Army, you know, Silver Key, United Way. Those are some organizations that have been around a long time uh, in Mm -hmm. in the spring. So those various needs, though, there's a lot of food insecurities. That's one of the things you guys actually deal with. But it's not just that. It's when you do with the rescue mission, that's that's the thing about shelter, isn't it? I mean, and, and, and food and housing, things like that. Well, and, and a lot of it, I mean, yes, in some ways, although I would be quick to point out that we're not a service provider. Okay. You know, we don't have industry expertise in right. homelessness right. and food insecurity. There are great organizations in town who do, mm-hmm. and there are great churches in town who really want to help in maybe some of those specific areas, mm-hmm. or maybe they just want to help more generally. Right. And a lot of what we do is talk with and create conversations and connections between those people who want to help or those churches or businesses who want to help and those organizations who are doing good work in those arenas. And so if, if, if there's an organization or a church out there who really wants to uh, make sure that families aren't going hungry, it's probably better to connect them with an organization who's doing good work around food insecurity and for that church to stand up the town food pantry kind of out of thin air. Yeah. And okay. so what we do is oftentimes try and create those connections and, and partnerships um, so that the resources of a local church who wants to help is uh, kind of paired up with an organization that's maybe doing good work but just needs some additional resources to do so. Yeah, do you think it would be a fair analogy to kind of for the listener's sake, you're kind of like the hub of a wheel. You're the center, and all these spokes go out to all these different ministries. So you're you're a connector, I guess you could say. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd probably prefer connector to the hub. I think <laughs> the idea of a hub makes it sound more important than we really are. But I think what we do is really try and, and create those connections. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think maybe more than that, or in addition to that, I guess, maybe trying to help especially churches understand that their resources can really be leveraged up and put to more effective use There you go. if, they, if they're paired up with yeah. other folks who are already doing good work, rather than trying to do something on their own. Yeah, and I appreciate that distinction of and the, and the humbleness of the statement, but yeah, a connector. And, and so, you know, here we are, COVID-19, it's, everything has changed upside down, and Guess the majority of the U.S. population are sequestered in their homes, and uh, there's all those issues of people not being able to get food or people not being able to get the kind of stuff they need in their homes. There's all kinds of needs. There's food insecurities. The kids aren't going to school, uh, blah, blah, blah. But you guys are doing some practical stuff. Tell us what Colorado Springs uh, I Love You is doing in in collaboration of these other ministries in the city during COVID-19 right here in our own backyard. Yeah, so I would say, you know, early on when kind of the stay-at-home order was issued and everybody was just kind of scrambling and trying to figure out what this kind of current crisis was going to mean for a lot of us, um, we had already been in conversation and partnership with our local United Way. And I'll I'll spare the long story, but essentially uh, kind of stumbled into a partnership where our local 211 helpline, which is not unique to Colorado Springs, many cities around the country have this that's operated by their local United Way. Mm-hmm. Um, our local uh, 211 helpline was experiencing an influx of calls that were really not uh, a good fit for a local agency to meet. It was a, an individual in a neighborhood somewhere that just couldn't get out. Uh, they had an, a compromised immune system, perhaps, or they felt like they were supposed to be quarantining themselves, but they couldn't have food delivered to their home, and they didn't have a way to get out and get their own groceries. A lot of those different kinds of needs on an individual basis were coming into two-on-one, and we just started saying, hey, why don't you send those those to us, and we'll figure out how to take care of or address some of those needs. And so uh, over the last four and a half, almost five weeks now, we've been doing this, and to the tune of about 220 individual needs, about 40-ish churches in our community have responded to about 220 of these individuals who have a variety of needs. They're all different. They're all unique. Um, and so, therefore, it's really hard for a large agency to apply an individual's unique need, um, you know, to their larger kind of system or, or uh, process for, for doing things. And so, um, really, what, what happens is those calls come into 211. They slide them over to because I love you, we deploy, we contact one of the, uh, our church partners who's in a, who's nearby to wherever that person is living, and they de- they send over a volunteer from their church to deliver groceries, to show up with medication, to, um, you know, we had one story of, of, uh, of a, an elderly gentleman who had called in 211 and couldn't have groceries delivered, couldn't afford it, um, and somehow the person on the 211 end figured out that it was the, the gentleman's 74th birthday. So when Nicole came really? to us, we, wow. we deployed some volunteers from uh, one of our partner churches who was nearby. And not only did they show up with groceries, but they showed up with uh, birthday cookies with candles in them. And while standing, you know, six feet away and on his front porch, you know, saying happy birthday to him, it just created a nice, you know, just warm personal connection. Um, and so we've been doing something like that, you know, some 220 times or so over the course of the last four or five weeks to just meet that need through this partnership with United Way. And that's, that's blossomed into some larger partnership opportunities with other agencies as well, the ones that you just mentioned, to just 
meeting the needs of, of seniors who are shut in and maybe isolated that can't get out and get that, get access to their own food. We've got a system now with a number of these local agencies to do the same thing on a larger scale. And it's just been really great, like I said, to continue to see some of those practical needs met through the resources of the local church. Yeah, you know, when I think of the elder demographic, I don't know, maybe you don't know, but does, is Silver Key stopped doing their thing? During this, uh, no, Silver Key is still very active, and, um, and 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 a lot of it is through prepackaged meals as opposed uh-huh. to maybe you know things that are cooked on site and stuff. But um, Silver Key is continuing to kind of maintain their commitment to making sure that seniors have access to meals. Yeah, you know, I was just curious because uh, typically Silver Key, the volunteers are dropping food, giving rides. It's usually an older demographic who's a volunteer. And the people mm-hmm. they're serving, with some exception, are older demographic as well. So um, right. they're the very people that are more vulnerable. But I would think, too, that is there parameters? Uh, you know, there's so much conversation about COVID-19, about protection and PPE and all that kind of stuff, that the people that are volunteering for all these other networked, um, you know, people that are serving our community through Caller Springs I Love You and their organizations, they must – how do they go out? Do they wear a mat? Do you know? Do they wear glo- gloves and a mask? Or how do they how do they come? to a place to serve where they, the people feel safe? Yeah, well, you know, I would say there's so many organizations that have really had to pivot or really demonstrate some some level of agility uh-huh. to, you know, um, accommodate some sort of um, volunteer practices, volunteer standards that comply with, um, you know, health department, either regulations or guidelines or whatever it might be in this current crisis. And I mm-hmm. think there are a number of local organizations, large and small, who were able to pivot and make some of those adjustments. Unfortunately, I think there were a bunch who probably couldn't, and so they've had to either just kind of close their doors for a okay, little while right. um, or just kind of go into some sort of dormancy. But for those organizations that are currently active, you know, food pantries, um, you know, other sort of kind of social safety net type organizations, They've done a really good job of, you know, implementing everything from face masks and gloves to, you know, we've got a lot of food pantries who are doing drive-up policies, you know, where right, folks sure. don't even have to get out of their car. They just pop the trunk and somebody drops in the food in the back of the trunk and off they go. So for those organizations that have been creative and agile, um, it's been really helpful not only to meet the needs of the folks that are coming to them for help, but also mm-hmm. for the volunteers that also need to stay safe and healthy. Yeah, you know, and I'm just curious too, Stu, that you've, you've got a kind of a 30,000-foot level, you know, view. And, uh, you know, of course, I have my thoughts as well about, you know, um, not only globally but locally here um, about COVID-19. Uh, and and maybe it's not new information. Maybe, maybe it's good for people to know from your perspective what you're seeing on the ground, if you will, through these other organizations and ministries and parachurch and whatnot. Um, uh, w- w- as far as the... the how should I put this, the fears or the the deeper issues or concerns of the constituents that are not only serving, but the people that are receiving the serving. Um, mm-hmm. what, what do you see? What's that main thread? Well, I think, you know, I, I, it seems to me that there really is, you know, just a lot of anxiety around, you know, and really people people just want to feel like they, they they know what the future is going to look like. They mm-hmm. want to have some sort of ability to mm-hmm. to plan for their kids' graduation from high school, right. to, uh, to be able to plan their wedding, to be able to, 
you know, I know a lot of folks who have lost a family member. I do um, too. I do too. Because of the illness or just in within the season, and they've not been able to hold a memorial service. Right. Or to just remember that person's life. No kidding. And in fact, they were doing, you know, they were unable to be around that person they lost. Right. For the last week or two of their life because they were, you know, isolated in a hospital somewhere. And so mm. I think there is a lot of just anxiety. Um, it, certainly there's fear. But there's, there's a lot of folks who are just like, please give me some idea of what my life can or could look like. And I think one of the things that's been really helpful for me personally mm-hmm. is to acknowledge a sense of, of grief mm. and, and huh. just being able to name the fact that I've lost some things in the midst of this season. That there have been big things and small things, things, you know, my, just the end of the school year for my kids, my son's soccer season. Mm-hmm. You know, those are small things, right? But there are a lot of folks out there that have lost really big things as well. And You're right. Name that 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 causes a level of grief mm-hmm. uh, to be able, and you know this, Mark. I mean, you've walked with folks who have been through grief-stricken and, and traumatic situations. Yes. To be able to just name something as as being worthy of grief, mm. at least, is a pathway to start thinking about you know moving forward. So, yeah. at least for me, I know that's been helpful, and I think there's a lot of folks out there that are feeling grieved by some of the things that they've lost, and we're trying to figure out how to, as a community, um, move forward through some of that. You know, Stu, thank you so much for sharing that personal note, because uh, actually, you know what, I I think sometimes, uh, and you and I have talked about this over the years, that sometimes when we're ministering to everybody through their grief, sometimes it's hard for us to realize that we actually are experiencing it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and I think some of the people I've talked to um, that are serving in various capacities, I guess for me being a chaplain in the prison and, you know, serving community that most people could care less about or whatever, um, is, is um, you know, that idea of grief, a lot of people don't want to accept that, you know. Um, they, yeah. they they don't want to accept that, you know, I've made I've had some losses, and the very things that you just mentioned that I've also experienced of people I know that we know maybe that have passed away and and they haven't been able to say goodbye, you know, and and they've lost their, you know, so many people I know because I'm in business and in the ministry world that people have laid people off by the thousands. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. at the bank a couple of weeks ago before U.S. Bank closed all their offices in Colorado uh, walk up. And I asked a lady, I rarely stand in line inside the bank, but I asked her how things were going, and she was about, you know, she was being reduced pay, reduced hours, but she mentioned that Mm -hmm. everybody that she had seen almost that week had came in who had lost their jobs. And so that piece about, like you say, the uncertainty, the anxiety that comes with that, and and I think for some people, just to name it, like you said— um, they don't have to stay there, but it's okay to say, you know what, I've lost some significant stuff. And and uh, yeah. and that's where a person or a community can speak into our lives when we're at that place where we're grieving, we're, we're open to some, we need a sense of hope. So if you had a word mm-hmm. to our audience, uh, I know your background being a pastor and all, uh, what would you say to those people that maybe haven't embraced the idea if they need to about their losses, but to speak life to them, if you could, a word of hope? Yeah, I think I think for me it would just start with like like you just said, like we just talked about. Just it's okay to name it. It's okay to to, to acknowledge I've lost some some things, um, and then to be able to take perhaps some of that loss and and just lay it, you know, lay it in front of Christ, mm. and and to be able, to, you know, again these some of them are are very small, and they could just be trivial things in in your family. You know, for me personally, I've not really been able to. Um, spend much time with my own parents who live here in town. Well, that's mm. a small loss. 
Right. Um, but but for those things and then big things, the loss of a job, the loss of income, the loss of a family member, those are obviously things that we name with grief. But to lay those things at um, just really at the feet of Christ, and then to be able to say, God, where where would where would you call me to go from mm. here? You mm. know, and and I don't know the answers to that, mm-hmm. um, but but certainly Christ does, and I don't think it's cliche, right? Um, to to acknowledge that that God wants to walk with us in our grief, That's just good. as much as He does in our celebration. And, nice. And in the things that we find ourselves facing in the unknowns about the future, there's kind of this anticipatory aspect of the grief mm-hmm. of. of kind of acknowledging that I don't know what the future is going to hold, but it is going to be different than what I was expecting it to look like. Um, to be able to acknowledge those things and lay, lay them at the feet of Christ and allow him to walk with us in that, yeah. um, I think is, is there's substance to that. There is. That you know, Christ wants to be with us in it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh... Thank you so much, Stu, just for sharing that part. And and you know, even as we're talking, I'm getting ministered to here on the on mm-hmm. over the phone. In the sense of, um, you know, just all the people I know that they're so busy. It's almost like they're so busy that they can't look at the grief that they have, or admit, or want to even admit that maybe the stuff they've lost they're not going to get back. And mm-hmm. that is a mm-hmm. tough piece to swallow. And but you know what? As you said that. Our, we we don't have to be a people who are Christ followers without hope, and uh, boy, if we run out of gas as far as hope, we got nothing left. And maybe maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe that's that time. As someone said once after the flood in in uh, Katrina in the South, uh, the pastor said to his congregation with no building, he said, "We got nothing, but if we got him, we got enough." And, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe that's the time to explore what enoughness of Christ means for us. And uh, gosh, I hope people w- who have been listening could embrace that truth, that he's going to walk yeah. with us, even if we're not delivered, if you will, from the fire, yeah. and he's going to be with us even in the midst of it. So that's his promise, and it's still good, and it's always been good, and he's proven his character, so uh, we're grateful for who he is. So, Stu, you know, g- give us a point of reference where people can contact uh, Colorado Springs I Love where they can, um, you know, step up and volunteer. Yeah, the easiest thing to do is just to reach out through our website, which is COS. And then the words I love you dot com because I love you dot com that's how we say it um, and that's there's a lot of information that's on that website for people to track with and, and some of the things that we're doing especially in this particular season yes good okay so it's just cos I love you dot com simple very simple. Stu, thank you so much for joining us, and um, as we get off the phone with you, Stu, Stu, I'm going to speak to the audience as well, so don't leave us right quite yet. But Stu, thanks so much. I want to thank Stu Davis, the director of Colorado Springs. I love you, uh, sharing his time and what they're doing right here in our own backyard. So Stu, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, man. God bless you. Thanks. Mm-hmm, bye-bye. Well, my friends, uh, we do want to thank Stu, the director of Colorado Springs. I love you. And, and and gosh, you can jump on board about what they're doing right here in your own backyard. Maybe you're getting restless like most of us, like me, and maybe this is an opportunity where you can actually serve other people in your own backyard. And you can go to Colorado Springs, I love you, or cosiloveyou.com, and you can get that kind of information where you can step, in, uh, step up and volunteer in some capacity or just have a word. Maybe it's a prayer. Maybe someone can pray with you. Um, 
maybe share some some thoughts. Um, so there's an opportunity. I want to share a couple opportunities that we're doing here at Salem Media in Colorado Springs and in Southern Colorado. If you're not already aware of it, but on our site here, 100.7 The Word, and also KBIQ Q102.7 and KZNT 1460 AM, you can go to any one of those websites, and there is a couple of things that you might benefit from. There's a page on there or a banner that says, open for business, and it'll tell you by category those businesses that are open, restaurants, auto, schools, services for your home, medical, all that kind of stuff. So maybe you're not sure what's open. You can go right there and you can find out all of these types of businesses that are actually still open unbeknownst to a large part of the public. And we also have another banner. It's uh, online church streaming. If you're not already connected or your church is not doing online streaming for whatever reason, this is an opportunity where you can uh, join another body of believers or even your own church to know they can stream those services online. Again, it's a banner um, just called online church streaming. And if your church is not already on there, you can certainly put your church on there and have them get a hold of us and let us know that they want to be on that page as well. So there's some things, practical things, resources for you to get help, find out what's open, find what churches are doing online here in Colorado Springs. But we want to thank you, as always, for joining us on Partners in the Gospel. I want to invite you to join us next week for my good friends at Life Network, Colorado Springs Pregnancy Center. As you might know, in this time of COVID-19, ladies that are uh, at risk as far as considering abortion are now making it easier in their own minds, saying, I can't bring a kid into this kind of environment, even more so than it was uh, before COVID-19. So you want to join us next week for that interview with Life Network and what they're doing right here in the, our own backyard in Southern Colorado. So you don't want to miss that. So I want to thank you as always for joining us on uh, Partners of the Gospel right here on 100.7 The Word. And I ask you to stay tuned and join and continue with us with my good friend Gino Duresi right after this.